<clears throat> it is lovely to see everybody here. Excuse my hoarseness. It seems like in the state of Delaware, I'm hoarse for like three months, and then I'm good, and then I'm hoarse for three months, and then I'm good. And then, so I brought my water cup just in case, but I think we'll have, uh, I think I'll, I'll make it. I think I'll make it. Um, so <clears throat> every year for the past 75 years, an exclusive event is held over the first weekend of August in an otherwise unknown small town in Ohio. Does anybody know what event I am talking about before I even give any more? How did you know? Okay, we have one person in this crowd who knows what was going on over the first weekend of August in a town in Ohio. Uh, so my point, this is one of my points, is that several of you, almost all of you, did not know uh, with the little information I provided, what event uh, took place the first weekend of August. So this is an exclusive event. Um, we had Donna over here say, is it for twins? And she is correct. This is an exclusive event for twins and other multiples. It's the annual Twins Day Festival held in Twinsburg, Ohio. You can't have it anywhere else. If there's a Twinsburg, it just is going to have to be there. Uh, it's actually named after twin brothers that actually started this whole thing many years ago. And I know I've mentioned it before. I know Donna has twin grandsons, correct? Yes. So she knows a little bit about the multiple world. Um, but I've mentioned this before. I'm a twin. And so the Twins Festival just might come up in a few sermons here, you know, throughout my life because there's some good little tidbits in there that I can use. And being a twin is obviously a great uh, part of my identity. And so um, most of you, of course, did not have this marked on your calendars. You didn't have this anticipation. You weren't watching on the Facebook page. You aren't looking in, at the new year when they... Um, uh, blast on their Facebook page the theme for the upcoming year. So you have six months to plan your outfit and your contest and how you're going to win. And okay, so none of you are watching for all of that, but I happen to be because I'm a twin and I'm interested in that. And um, it's this festival weekend that's exclusively designed for just a certain portion of the population the multiple world. And, uh, you know, for my sister and I, we haven't yet been there yet. I only found out about this a few years ago, and probably from Facebook, you know, when I joined, and all of a sudden you're, you're seeing all these things people do, and then you're somehow connected to events because of things you post about or whatever. So I only found out about it a few years ago, but we have not yet attended yet. It's become an item on our bucket list. Uh, to attend a festival one year. I also want to wait for a good theme. This year's theme was like jungle to jungle or something like that, I don't know. Not enticing, so if I'm gonna go, I wanna go when there's a good theme and have fun with that. But um, in the multiple world, we have a name for all you non-multiples. And we call you singletons, <laughs> isn't that cute? 
Now you learned something. So my sister and I, we have an older brother, a singleton. And growing up, you know, it was always, oh, go check on the twins. Where, where are the twins? You know, how are the twins doing? Oh, it's, it's Paul and his twin sisters, okay? And as I was doing this sermon, I'm like, you know, that's just, why wasn't it ever, this is Megan Ann and they're singleton. <laughs> never that, never, never heard it, never. Go check on the singleton. What's the singleton doing? No. No, I just thought how unfair that was, but we're all grown now, and I guess it's important to act like a grown-up, so I'm going to move on, not hold that resentment in my life. But, you know, it's fun to be a twin. My sister and I, we've always liked it. We've always had fun with it. Um, You know, we've always been friends, and, you know, like all siblings or close cousins or whatever it might be, you know, we fought, of course, but we've really always been friends, and Um, I feel like I grew up knowing a lot of twins. There were seven sets of twins in my high school graduating class, but there were 500 of us. So maybe compared to the number we graduated with, that's a very small percent. But I just felt like I, you know, knew twins growing up some, and we weren't the only ones. But twins are fairly rare. The chances of having twins is one in 250 births. Um... And the chance of having identical twins, I'm, I'm an identical twin to my sister, it's even rarer. It's around uh, three or, for every third or fourth, uh, three or four identical twin births for every 1,000 births. So identical twins only make up about 3%, I'm sorry, 0.3% of the world population. I know, it makes me feel unique. Um, and special, you know, that's what we love, right? Anything to make us unique and special. Um, you know, it's why, it's why we do a lot of the things that we do, you know, the way we present ourselves, the things we do, the things we like, the, um, uh, you know, talents and gifts we have. We try to produce and create unique things. And so being a part of this exclusive group worldwide, you know, feels really special, so the Twins Day Festival, okay, it's the largest gathering of multiples in the world. So I think that that's kind of cool um, that it's right here, you know, kind of close to us in Twinsburg, Ohio. It, when my sister and I do plan to attend, it's not a far trip. We don't have to go around the world, nothing like that. It's, it's fairly local. And um, I read this year that the festival numbers of attendees, you have to register, were back up from the COVID years. You know, much like everything else, any type of event, their numbers were down last year. Um, but this year, the final count I read on their Facebook page was 2,145 sets of multiples. So that includes triplets and, you know, anything else. I don't really know the numbers beyond triplets because, you know, that's so very rare. Um, So if you think about that 2,000 number, that's at least doubled, you know, if it's mostly twins and then beyond that with multiples. So that's a good showing. Um, And uh, their record year was in 1998 with almost um, 2,800 sets of multiples. So they haven't broken that yet since 1998, but it must have been a good theme or something, you know, to get that many people out. And um, so it's just a nice, it's a, it's a mostly social event for multiples, you know, to meet other multiples, but they do fun things, games and competitions. And 
I think maybe my sister and I, when we go, we'll try like singing or something because, you know, if we go on America's Got Talent, there's, it's from around the nation. You know how many people you have to compete against? But if it's only against 2,800 other people, we might have a chance. We don't even sing, but we might win something there. So I got to think of something that we can come up with and I can actually get an award for that I wouldn't get anywhere else. Um, so, you know, there's strategy here, but no. Um, but, you know, there's perks, you know, for this. First of all, the event is an exclusive event for multiples. Then I saw on the Facebook page this year, um, you could go to the neighboring amusement parks and if you showed, you know, that you, whatever it was, your registration or something, you were a multiple, you got in with a discount and there were some perks for you. So again, like, we just love, I mean, come on, like, it's just so great to be a part of something that you, you know, it's exclusive to you. I didn't even do this. I didn't ask to be a twin and look at all the benefits, you know. So, um, so, yeah, it's just great to be able to take advantage of things, this exclusive opportunity. And so there's, my point right now is that there's something satisfying to us as human beings, you know, as individuals, to be a part of something that's exclusive. And, you know, the, the fact that something that, that's designed or these benefits or these perks, or, it's designed just for this group. Not all, just for this group. And we like that. We like that it feels good. We like the way that is. Oh, oh, excuse me. I'll just step forward in line here. Are you a multiple? No. Okay, then I get to step forward. You know, come on, all the people that go to Disney World and you have your fast pass. You know how that feels. You just wave it in front of people so you can just skip the lines. You know, we like these exclusive things. And um, so... Uh, you know, even my mom, I was thinking about, you know, even my mom benefited, you know, Arash, my husband gets to benefit from being married to a twin. It's great table conversation. You know, he said, how many people are married to an identical twin? Like, you're welcome. You know, like, and my mom benefited from this. I remember, you know, we went through some old boxes of books and there was this little orange cookbook and it said um, Twin Mother's Club or, you know, M Mom's Twin Club. And it was a little recipe book. And so I guess when she found out she was having twins, um, she got invited into this exclusive group for mothers of twins. I don't know what a recipe book would do for you. Uh, I don't know. You have to make more or something. But they exchange, you know, clothes and, uh, clothing and, and items, you know, much like today where you can join groups and find things for discounts and things like that. But back then, you know, she had, was, became a part of this exclusive group of moms of, of twins and multiples. So you're welcome, Mom. I know she's listening. Um, and I'm sure that was a joyous time in your life. <laughs> and we bring you double joy even now. Um, but we like exclusive deals and perks. And I even went, you know, I was thinking about one time I remember Pastor Stephen talking about this same sort of thing in a sermon. And he talked about some uh, membership of, of a card, uh, card membership that he had. Maybe it was something like with airlines or accruing points or something like that. And um, when you accrue your points, you, you know, you get the better seat or the extra, you know, this and that, um, or your, you know, other fees are waived. You know, he was kind of saying, I like having this membership. And, you know, he 
had the gold-encrusted, platinum-encrusted, diamond level. You know, his whole point was that none of us are ever going to know the level he's on because there's so very few of us that would make the level he was on. Um, but, you know, he just, I remember him saying, man, I love having these perks and benefits of this membership. This is nice. It feels good because it feels good, you know, to have special things that are for you. And so that means it's not for all. And, um, you know, I thought about how many, uh, you know, I, I am a Facebook user. I like to use Facebook. And I see groups all the time popping up on my feed. You know, join this group if you're this and that. You have to get approval. It's like, oh, gosh, got to prove, like, that you're, like, worthy of this group. Somebody has to say, yes, let them in. You know, it just can't be anybody. And then you see the notifications going up that say, just a reminder, only people with A, B, C, and D are really allowed to be in this group. Just a reminder, you know, because it's an exclusive thing. And, uh, they, you know, these groups only want per particular people with talents or whatever it is to be in that group. You know, we all love the by invitation only, you know, notification that pops up. Ooh, somebody invited me. You know, we all love that. So it feels special, you know, to have these perks. And, and so being a twin, for me, is an experience that, you know, all you singletons out there. Yeah, I know we, we got a couple sets of twins in this church. I know that. But, um, you know... You guys can be intrigued by us, and you can be interested in learning about twins, but you can't ever experience it. That's just not, it's just, this is just a thing you're never going to be a part of. And you can educate yourself, and you can gain knowledge, and you can read about twins. I remember having some really nice um, coffee table books with pretty pictures of lots of different twins in it and their little story. And I always liked learning about twins as well. And my mom had a bookstore growing up, and I would get these nice hardcover books all about twins. I liked reading about them. But I could relate to some of it. You know, I am a twin, so I could... The way I read that is different than a way, the, the way singletons read it. And I, know, I just love that word. Don't you love that? I'm, I'm getting it all out now since I never use it, and my parents should have, and they didn't. Um, but, you know, exclusion, you know... It's an exclusive experience, and, and that's exactly why we as human beings love the exclusivity. It feels good. It gives us leverage sometimes. Sometimes there's status involved with that, these exclusive deals and perks and groups, and um, they're just everywhere. And so, um, but when it comes here, we're going to be landing in some scripture here. But when it comes to the gospel message of Jesus Christ, can I have my um, title slide, please? That's not how the story works. All right, we're going to read a fairly large chunk um, out of Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 4. I'll, I'll uh, skip a couple verses here and there, but it's a series of short parables. And parables were stories that Jesus um, used to teach his disciples and any others that he was, you know, sometimes there were large crowds gathered, anyone who would, could hear. These are just stories that Jesus used. This is what he did in his ministry to teach um, that taught spiritual, you know, and biblical truths uh, through stories. Everybody likes a good story, even adults. That's why people are big readers and novels are a big 
um, group. You can be a part of a reading group, you know, because everybody likes a story. So Jesus just, of course, knew that, and he taught using stories. So we're going to work through some parables here together. And I'm going to start in Mark chapter 4, verse 3. First parable we're going to look at is the parable of the farmer scattering seed. And this is Jesus speaking. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it did not have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears, with, with ears, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then I'm going to jump down to verse 13. Kind of continuing in this story, Jesus says to them, speaking to his disciples, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all other parables? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are, a persecu are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represent others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as, as has been planted. Then we go from the seed parable to the parable of the lamp. And Jesus, it says, Jesus asked them, would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who have been listening to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Now we jump back into parables uh, speaking of seeds and growth. So Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally, the grain ripens. 
And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. And the last short parable in this series is parable of the mustard seed. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. All right, thank you for that long moment of listening there. Um, I know that was a lot of verses. Oh, you know what? Okay, that's enough, actually, um, Marjorie. I was going to say, I know I had more scheduled on there, but I don't think I, I need them at this point. Just a couple more verses. Basically saying Jesus used parables to teach. So, the parable of this scattered seed, the very first one that we read together, I really liked this parable. Um, you know, it's used to teach a lot of lessons. It's one that comes up in children's, you know, Sunday school. And it's a common one to be used and taught, um, you know, in teaching over the pulpit. There's so much richness to it, so much to teach from this parable of the scattered seed that falls on different type of ground. But for today's purpose, I want to focus on one little lesson from it. And it's, fair, it's fairly simple. It's, not, it's not, not a new thing at all. And that's in this gospel message, this good news of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, a, it's for all. We have the words on our walls behind us. All. The gospel is for all. Sharing in the gospel is for all. Experiencing the gospel is for all. Twinsburg, Ohio is not for all. It's not. But in you know, many other things we're a part of. It's not, and that's what they're meant for. They're not meant to be for all. But this gospel message is for all. Jesus Christ, who was God in the flesh, perfect and without sin, both God and both man, because of his great love for us and the depth of his great love for us, died on this cross for the sin of the world for each and every one of our sins, so that none of us would have to bear the penalty of sin. And so the gospel message, the good news he brought and is still alive today was for all, is for all. And notice in this parable of the scattered seed that there is nowhere that the seed is not scattered. The farmer let the seed fall on ground. If it was ground, it was covered. Now we um, read the different types of ground and soil it fell in, but the farmer didn't choose, look around and say, oh, there, that's, that looks like good, that looks good. No, no, not there. No, the seed was scattered on all the ground. And it went everywhere. It was scattered everywhere. And so what matters for the seed to grow is what ground it landed on. And so according to each type of ground, we read there was rocky, thorny, there was good soil. The growth of the seed is either possible or not, depending on the soil that it falls on. But the point is that the seed was scattered 
everywhere. It was not withheld from any place. It was scattered everywhere. And there's nowhere that the seed didn't at least get a chance to grow. In the parable of the light, it seems like it's a little dis, uh, junctured. It's like, okay, we're in the seeds and, and, and growing, and, and now we're talking about the light, okay. But it does connect with the other parables. So in this parable of the light, as disciples of Christ, who shine the light of Christ, who share the gospel message, this good news with all with who we are around, we're to share it with all. There's the all, there's the all. We're to share it with all, like the scattered seed that's scattered everywhere. When light shines, it shines everywhere. Uh, Light hits whatever object is in front of it. It can be near, it can be far, but light hits whatever is in its path. So as vessels that house the light of God and the Spirit of God, If you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, as the scripture says, it says, receive it by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You are to allow the light of Christ to reach whomever God puts in your path or whoever uh, God places you in their path, as we say, and not to hide it. You know, the little children's song, don't hide it under a bushel. The light's not meant to uh, be hidden. It's meant to be, it's meant to shine and to, to shine to wherever it, it reaches. And as the light of the world, scripture says in another passage that we, God's church, are the light of the world now as uh, Christ lives through us and we're to shine that light in wherever there is darkness. And I don't think any of us would say that there's no darkness around us. You just take a look at our, even our personal lives. You take a look in the life of our you know, schools and communities and, and uh, uh, friends, you know, and families' lives. We look at the circumstances in our nation, in our world. There's enough darkness, but there's, uh, uh, without us having to, you know, think too hard. But there's more light than there is darkness, and we want to allow that to shine. Um, This past Sunday evening, last Sunday evening, our church here, we had a brainstorming session um, about strategies of evangelism. And and it was good. You know, we, we... had a little lesson thought in there, a little something presented, but it was basically discussion. Um, Everybody who attended discussed how to let our light shine Um, because there's not just one way. There's not one way to do it. If you have the light, it it shines through you, and how that light shines is as unique as each of us. And so we want to allow that uniqueness to be used by God um, so that all individuals, all people can be reached um, through the body of Christ. And so that was a good session. That was exciting. So why? Why shine the light of Christ everywhere? Or in the other parable of the seed, why allow seed to be thrown, to be scattered anywhere and everywhere. And the parable of the scattered seed kind of explains the parable of the light. 
that because it didn't matter what uh, the ground conditions were, it didn't matter if it was rocky or hot or viney or obviously good, rich soil, the seed was scattered everywhere. And, you know, we don't, as, as people, you know, I know some people say, oh, I'm, I'm good at reading people. And some people are. You know, I'm good at reading where people are. I'm good at reading their body language, their expression. Um, you know, I'm good at reading kind of in between the lines of what they're saying, what they're not saying. Some people feel they have a better uh, ability to do that. And some of us just say, listen, if you don't say it, I don't know it. I'm one of those people. I'm just like, I'm not a mind reader. I mean, you know, but um, I mean, I do care. I care about people. <laughs> but it's one of those things I wouldn't say that I have, you know, I wouldn't describe myself in that way. But even those who have that, you know, kind of ability, um, we really truly don't know the condition of anyone's heart. And we may know some facts about someone that they share with us, um, but we really don't know what's truly in an individual's heart. You know, that, that secret stuff, the pain, you know, the, the shame, the deep things, the stuff that's deep down that rarely gets talked about, if ever. Only God knows that. And so I wonder you know, what, what that fact means to some of us that are hearing this right now, that only God really truly knows what's in your heart. And yet, he scatters his seed everywhere. We think that we're not, you know, it's not for me. I'm not worthy until I get this and this and this together. Then Jesus will, you know, accept me as one of his. Then I'll be ready to give my life to the Lord. But the scripture says, you know, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So that stuff down, deep down, that we think will cause the rejection in our lives if, if, if he or she only knew. God already knows it, and his decision was already made. And so God loves you. He, he, he cares for you. He, he, he accepts you, and he wants you. This isn't an exclusive message you know, the gospel message is not exclusive. He wants his light to shine through you. It doesn't matter what's going on. Amen. We thank God for that. We thank God for that. I thank God for that. I could give you a list of why I shouldn't, you know, be accepted as one of his. And yet he accepts me. And who else could make that decision than the one who knows all of our hearts? Amen. You know, I think sometimes that's why some of us don't want to share, don't want to let people in. If they only knew the relationship's going to change or it's going to end or they're going to judge or they're going to think differently of me. We put on a lot of facades and, um, for acceptance in the name of acceptance and, you know, that's something we really have to work hard against. You know, when we come into the kingdom of God, when we come into relationship with, with God, we have to realize that all that facade stuff, it's not necessary. 
God sees through it anyway. He knows anyway, and I'm not saying that in a negative sense. I'm saying he already knows. We can't fool God. But, I, you know, as being the light, the church that is the light to shine for Christ, I think we worry about, you know, that closeness of relationship, the ability to share in our lives with one another for fear of rejection or change in a relationship. But that's not how this story works. Amen. And, you know, at one point, I'm going to go to Twinsburg, Ohio, and I am going to go to the Twins Day Festival. And none of you are going to come with me. I, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with my sister. I don't even think I'm inviting my family. You know now. We're not just, it's going to be an exclusive thing for my sister and I. We're just going to go. Nobody bothering. No, no, no. We're just going to go. And there's plenty of opportunities, you know, to join something exclusive. If you want to feed that within you, go ahead, have fun. We're here now. Join something that's exclusive. But that's not how the gospel works. So we cannot bring that into the church. We can't bring that when we shine our light or when the seed is scattered and say, no, that looks like rocky soil. Nothing's going to grow there. We can't judge that. We don't know someone's heart and condition. We put on facades. The person you think it's going to grow into a big plant might not happen because there was a facade that masked the thorns underneath. Uh, the person who you thought was rocky, they might have been the most solid. You know, however we judge and biases, we all do that. And so, um, you know, but the Lord knows, and that's not how this works. And so we cannot bring that into uh, the church. Once we bring, once the gospel becomes, or we present the gospel as an exclusive message, is the day that we cease being the church. It's the day we cease being disciples because you're not making disciples of all. Not you, you know what I'm saying? We're not making disciples of all. And so, um, you know, the scripture says that, you know, as Christians, all it asks us to do is be ready to give an answer. And how we do that, as I've already said, that's unique to each and every one of us. How we share, just be ready to give an answer, the scripture says. It's just a posture of the heart. You know, I, I can be ready to share my testimony with someone should the opportunity present itself or somebody ask. I can be ready to listen to someone's pain or their praise. I can be ready to pray with somebody should that opportunity present itself or in private time, in my private prayer, remember to pray with someone. I can be available to comfort somebody. I can be available to love somebody. That's what the scriptures say. Just be ready uh, if you are asked. And so I know this all sounds familiar because we're talking a lot about this same sort of thing. Um, in our small groups right now, we're talking about serving all, all serving all. And so lots of conversation and discussion over the same, uh, same idea in our small groups right now um, about service. And so God desires for this gospel message to be heard by anyone who will hear it. And as his disciples, you know, we're, we're ready to be freely, not exclusively, but freely. We're ready to freely share the truth about God. 
and participation to share the gospel with all, it never expires in this life. So I want our elderly members here to hear that. Participation in sharing the gospel, this is not a correction. It's an encouragement. We need you in the body of Christ. We need your voice and involvement, whatever that looks like. Your prayers, your volunteering, your teaching and your writing and the way you care. We need you. Your, your um, participation in this gospel message and spreading it. It, will, it never expires in this life. You're valuable now. And to our young people... You know, you might be asking, how can I participate? You know, I don't have a story. I know growing up, I always felt like that. I'm like, I don't have a story. What story do I tell? Like, nothing enticing. I don't know. I don't have a story. Or I don't know enough scripture. You know, we laugh at you Bible quizzers. If you were to tell me that, I'd laugh and say, you just learned 500 verses this year. What do you mean you don't have enough scripture? You know, but we feel that way. Oh, I don't have enough education. I'm not ready because I'm not perfect yet and I don't have it all together. But, you know, don't be fooled by all these things because everyone has a story. And you don't have to be perfect for God to love you or save you or use you. Amen. Thank God. I, I wouldn't be here if that was the case. Amen. Because that's not how this story works. And you'd be surprised at how brightly your light can shine for the Lord. You know, if you allow that seed to grow within you um, and to let your light shine. You know, we're always in a growing season as Christians. We're always growing. Because one of the parables talked about the harvest in the end. The farmer looked and there was a harvest to, to reap, and so he's like, I'm out there, I got it, look at all this blessing, and, and so there, we're in the growing season, the harvest isn't until Jesus comes back for his church, and so we're always going to be in a growing season uh, in this life, and so we just have to accept that, because sometimes we think, well, if I get to this, or if I just make it to this, or if I know this, or if I know this person, uh, blah, 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 you know, that we've made it, no, no one's made it, we're constantly growing. Um, you know, even those of us who have experienced this baptism uh, uh, in the name of Jesus by water and received the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit and, you know, repented and put our faith in the Lord. And, you know, even those of us, there's a song on the radio that says, um, uh, uh, Savior, keep saving me. You know, that's the chorus. Savior, keep saving me. So, whether we're starting our walk with God or we're recommitting to our walk with God or we're further down the path, you know, in, in, in experience or in age and life with the Lord, the uh, gospel message, you know, and our participation in it never expires. And uh, that's just not how this story works. And we need God, you know, to continue to work in our lives and transform us into the people that he designed each of us to be. He has a plan for each and every one of us up until our last day. And so he's got a plan for each of us, and we need the Lord to continue that work, this ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. So we've been talking about the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We've been talking about how it's inclusive for all. All are participating in it. 
It's an experience that is God designed for all. And so, but I, but there's a, one exclusive component of the gospel. There is something that's exclusive. Let's go to John 14, uh, verse 6. Jesus speaking said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The exclusive message of the gospel is that you can only find this salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's... There's a lot of, you know, uh, feel-good things out there. There's a lot of ways we can self-improve. I'm not against that kind of stuff. I think it's good. Look for self-improvement. But Scripture tells us, listen, there's no one that can save us except Jesus Christ. He's the only one that went to Calvary and shed his blood for us and for the remission of our sins. And in the parable of the growing seed... I believe that this uh, is unique to the Gospel of Mark. This is the short parable following the parable of the light. Um, few verses, Matthew 4, chapter 26 through 29. In, in the parable of the growing seed, um, this exclusive part of the Gospel message, to me at least, is made so clear. Because uh, it's clear to me that it's saying that the only... Uh, person who saves is Jesus. I just wanted to get back to that. It's the short parable, uh, the growing seed. It said the kingdom of God is like a father who scatters seed on the, as farmer, I'm sorry, who scatters seed on the ground night and day while he's asleep or awake. The seed sprouts and grows, but he doesn't understand how it happens. So God allows us to participate in this gospel message, sharing it, sharing our experience with it. But the person who's doing the saving is Jesus Christ. It's not us. We're vessels, but it's not us. Just like this farmer, man, he just got to go to sleep. How many, I, I don't have a farmer family, but I don't know anybody whose families were a farmer where they say, oh, we remember the one year where the crop just came up from nowhere and just, you know, we went to bed. We didn't have to do much work at all. It was great. Just fell asleep, woke up, and there's the sprouts. Never heard of that from any agricultural anything family, you know, that I know. But the point being that, you know, yes, we can participate. God invited us to participate in shining his light and sharing the gospel. But he absolutely does the work. Amen. Because should it be us, we might hide the light. It should it be left to us, we might judge. Should it be left to us, the whole world wouldn't get to participate in the gospel message. Amen. And lastly, just uh, the parable of the mustard seed, touching this before I come to my conclusion, is um, the last of this little series of parables. Jesus, again, teaching his disciples about what truly matters and, and about what to expect. In this illustration of the mustard seed, that grows into the largest plant in the garden, as it said in our uh, New Living Translation. It said it grows into the largest uh, plant where even birds could nest in it. It's an illustration of how the kingdom of God is meant to grow. You know, when Jesus was with his disciples, when we read the scriptures today, Jesus was still here in his earthly ministry. 
He was teaching his disciples. You know, he hadn't yet died on the cross. He hadn't yet ascended and come back as the comforter, is the Holy Spirit that lives in our world today. So the disciples who were with him, they, he was trying to explain to them, this is this, the beginnings. These are the small beginnings right now. Like a tiny little mustard seed, the kingdom of God is here. And the plan for it is it to grow into, a, you know, to just grow, 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 grow exponentially. And so a mustard seed is very small. Most of you have probably seen a mustard seed or at least a picture of it. It is very small, tiny seed, but it grows into a very, very, very big plant for the size that it starts off as. In the message translation I was looking, it actually doesn't, this, this, these verses actually are not uh, using the mustard seed illustration. It uses the acorn to kind of bring bring it to our world a little bit. Most of us, if you haven't seen a mustard seed, you've probably seen an acorn. You probably picked one up in the fall. And acorns are fairly small, little, little acorns. But they grow into very, 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 very large oak trees. So it's the, it's the um, you know, for the size that they are. The point is just that very, very small thing gets very, very big, and, and it's surprising. Well, Jesus was teaching his disciples, this might be some small beginnings, but don't despise small beginnings. The kingdom of God and the message to send it into, out into the world, starting with his 12 disciples and others that were around him, you know, it might have looked like small beginnings, but the kingdom of God was about to grow. And now here we are over 2,000 years later, and the gospel message is the most common uh, not common, but popular uh, message in, you know, in the entire world. And so do not despise small beginnings. That's a, a point of this little parable here. Um, and I, I, I also want us to bring that down to our level, that, you know, today, whatever is beginning in your heart, don't despise small beginnings in the Lord taking two steps forward, seemingly taking a step back. This is the dance of living in this world, dealing with our humanity, and trying to live a life for the Lord. And it's what we all experience. Nobody just says, oh, I'm saved and perfect. That's just not reality. It's not true. That's not how this story works. And so don't despise, you know, on a personal level today, in our own lives, don't despise your small beginnings because the scripture tells us no matter what, God's plan is much greater for each of us. Amen. Amen. He wants whatever is starting right now to grow. God doesn't plant seeds with the purpose of them to die. We're the soil. We have to cultivate that rich soil. But this parable said the seed was scattered everywhere because God's design is that wherever it's thrown, wherever the light is shines, it will grow. Amen. So that's how this story works, okay? Uh, the gospel message. And if you just stand with me, uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like just a opportunity, of course, to pray an opportunity to self, you know, look inside ourselves and talk to the Lord one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. But I also feel uh, this spirit of gratitude and thankfulness. It started in our worship this uh, earlier, and I feel it carrying through into our, um, 
altar worship time. And so however you want to respond to this message today, thankfulness, gratitude, um, reflection, any of these ways, respond to the Lord and how it is appropriate for you. I want us to pray for growth in our lives. I want us to pray for growth in our young people's lives, in our elderly's lives. You're still growing. I want us to pray that all would come to know the love of Jesus Christ um, as we focused on last Sunday evening, how to get this message, continue to get this message out and shine the light of the Lord in the world around us, wherever we are, workplaces, schools, uh, families, friends, neighborhoods, communities. Amen. So let's just take a time of prayer for just a few minutes. And I'm just so thankful that even though in this life, we can have some fun joining an exclusive club. Go ahead, have your fun, be able to tell someone about something that they didn't experience because they can't. But in the church, it doesn't work that way. That's not how this story works. And we're thankful for the message of the gospel is for all. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just want to take time to say thank you. God, to slow down in our week to slow down in our lives right now in this moment and be present. Be present and feel your spirit around us. Be present and know, Lord, that you are here. You meet every need, God. Lord, you care for each and every person in this place, God. You care for those listening online today, God. Oh, Lord, I thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, for a message, God, that never, never, never fails. Lord, you never fail us, God. Jesus, help us, God, to be designed, Lord, as the people you have created us to be. Help us to be the church, Lord. Oh, God, that carries this message, Lord, the way you intended it, God. Oh, help us, Lord, to have a heart for others the way you love them, God. Help us to have the eyes, Lord, that you have when you look at this world, God, that you so desperately love, Lord, that you came to save. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord, for your perfect faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for taking on our sin. Even though you were perfect, you took on our sin, God, so we didn't have to bear, God, the penalty. Jesus, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Oh, Lord, we lift up our voice, Lord, as one in thankfulness, God, to you, Jesus. Jesus.